Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local City Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope. That this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. During the entire month of February, we've been going through a collection of talks called Love Comes from God, realizing that we are letting the one who designed us define us. We are letting the one who designed love and created love define what it means to you and I. First off, I want you to know that you have access to an incredible love that comes only from God through his son, Jesus. And it's nothing that we can do to receive it. God gives it to us freely. But what do we do with that love? That's what today is all about. Is there really a way that we are supposed to live our life and how can this affect the relationships in our life? Listen, it's February. We just had Valentine's Day, so relationships are a big thing. How many could use how many of us could use some help in our relationships? Anybody? All right, just me. So I'm just being vulnerable with a perfect crowd. Today, come on, somebody, how can you use some help in your relationships today? You're like, hey, I'm sitting next to my spouse. I can't raise my hand, they'll get mad at me. It's okay. Why don't you raise your hand together, right? Like some people are raising two hands. All right, we're specifically praying for you today. All right. But we're understanding the fact that our relationships can be healthy when we trust the way God has laid out for us, his plan. And I think a word that maybe we've forgotten about in the church and maybe even our own lives, a word that's very important is the title of today's message, and that is a good steward. Go ahead and just circle that word or underline it, whatever your choice is. But I really want you to leave today understanding a deeper level definition of what the, stu- the word steward means. See, the word steward is this is kind of the responsibility and ownership that God has given us in our life. And he's actually called us to do some specific things. Now listen, before we get into the message today, I want you to know that coming to Jesus, you don't have to do anything except surrender your life to him. But on the other side of that, there are things that should begin to make up our life or there are things that should begin to define our life. And we're going to talk about that today. And write this down. Maybe this statement could be really freeing for you this morning. The difference between where God is leading us and where we are is what we're willing to do. Think about that statement as you write it down. The difference between where God is leading us and where we are is what we're willing to do. Maybe you feel stuck today in your relationship with God. Maybe you feel stuck today in your marriage. Maybe you feel stuck today in just your personal life or your finances, or maybe you feel stuck in just your job search. Whatever it may be, let me just ask you this. Maybe the difference is that where God is leading you, you know what it is, but we're not willing to do what God is asking us to do. There is some doing that makes up our life, okay? And really that leans into that full acceptance of what this word steward means. Here's what it says in Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. What that last line means, pretty much God is pretty powerful. He's pretty cool. He's done some amazing things. And it's reminding us that the earth is not ours. The earth is God's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. And listen, God really can take care of the things that belong to him. We have a five-year-old son, some of you know that, named Shepard. 
You'll see him maybe running around after church today. And what I'm trying to teach him is, hey, buddy, these toys that belong to you, you need to kind of treat them nicely or you won't get any more, <laughs> right? Like, I just want you to know that God, you belong to God and he's going to treat you well. You belong to God and he's going to take care of you. He knows what he's doing. Just a little freedom today. We don't know better than God on what's best for us. But sometimes we live that way. Let me just tell you, let me just invite, just from a painstaking, vulnerable moment for Pastor Ryan, because I've been there, God knows better than me. And the times where I haven't believed that, it's never turned out well, right? And so for us, we're leaning into this definition of that our life is all about stewardship. So why don't you write this down for me today? What is stewardship? Where stewardship is simply realizing and being responsible for the things that God has given us. Stewardship is being responsible for the things God has given us. Take a deep breath today. <sighs> ah, that is because God gave that to you. God breathed life into you. Look at the blessings that you have, the clothes on your back, the house you get to go home to, the food you get to open up to in the fridge, right? The bed you get to lay down at night. Like, listen, you are stewarding those things and being responsible for those things because God has given us those things. We need to realize that life is a gift, that our salvation from Jesus is a gift. And so we have to steward that well. And listen, I love being on the other side of a good steward. So Adrian and I, because we don't like necessarily being around in high stress environments, right? I don't think anybody does. Like no one likes to be in high stress environments, right? Well, we, for Valentine's Day, we never do anything Valentine's Day night right? Because you're fighting for reservations. You're going to a packed out restaurant. We like to take a deep breath. If we wanted chaos on our date night, we'd just stay home with our two kids, right? Like we want a little bit of peace and quiet. And so on Friday, we celebrated Valentine's Day. And we went out to this Italian restaurant downtown that we've been really wanting to try. Got a reservation. It was super easy. Walked right in. We kind of had what I call the mafia boss table, which is the one you sit in the corner and you get to look at the whole restaurant like you own the place just to see what's going on, right? I feel like the godfather father, you know, sitting in my table ordering my dinner. But what was great is our waiter was awesome uh, because we were just having a good time. We were at the, like the, the majority of the menu was in Italian. So I'm like, hey man, I don't know what any of this means. Can you please help me out here? We actually had a very nice man who spoke Italian next to us. who was like, you got to get this, you got to get that. And so the guy came over and he was like, what are you guys thinking? And we ordered an appetizer. And then Adrian being my sweet wife that she is, she's like, hey, um, does bread come free, like with the meal. And, and he's like, no, usually you have to order. She's like, ah, oh, I just really do love some bread. And he was like, well, let me see what I can do. I love that phrase. Like, that's a good phrase, right? When you are trying to buy a car or at a restaurant when the waiter's like, hey, let me see what I can do, right? And so he like sneaks under his arm this like nice hot plate of like fresh bread, which was awesome. And I've, I've told you before, like we jump right into this bread, right? I'm not a fine dining person. Like Adrian sometimes has to like put me in my place when we're at a nice restaurant and I'm just like, she's like, hey, we're at a nice restaurant, okay? Can you like slow down? But what happened was we ate this bread, it was so good. And I don't know about you, but I'm a big like dipper of the bread. Like if there's sauce anywhere, I'm like making sure the plate's clean. And remember that Italian man that I told you about? He's like, hey, 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 
you know, when you do that in Italy, I, immediately I was like, oh yeah, it's probably bad manners. He's like, no, no, no. It's a compliment to the chef to like, I'm like, bro, I'm going to Italy tomorrow. Like I'm gonna scrape all that sauce with this good bread. And so we had a great time. And then, you know, you, we're having a great time. And afterwards, at the very end of the dinner, he's like, you know, did you save room for dessert? I'm like, ah, not really. He's like, well, you gotta try our cheesesteak. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's when you date night, you know, we're not trying to spend too much. He's like, well, let me see what I can do. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, again, let's go. And so he brings this big slice of cheesecake over to our table, not on the bill. I probably assumed I was going to tip him more because he didn't charge me for those two things, which I did. I'm a good steward. But I love for the fact that he was like, hey, you know what? Let me see what I can do. If I can just get serious for a moment, I want you to know God is always saying that to you. Like, if you would just trust him, God is always saying to you, hey, let me see what I can do. And here's what it says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, by his divine power, God has given us everything that we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him and the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Let me just say this verse proves to me that God is saying today, hey, let me see what I can do. If you would just trust me in being a good steward, let me see what I can do. Because by his divine power, God has given us everything that we need. Would you pray with me today as we jump in to the message this morning? God, thank you that you have given us everything that we need. Thank you that you are a giving and generous God. And Lord, we can never outgive you. Thank you that you have given us blessings. Thank you that you have given us breath in our lungs today. And right now, God, I pray all of us in this room, as we listen, we would also lean in to the things you're trying to teach us and show us. God, even some of those specific things that maybe you've been challenging us or inviting us to do, we would realize that the difference from where we are and where we can go is simply what we're willing to do. And God, I pray today that all of us would surrender to being a good steward in our life. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, we all say amen, amen. I'm going to share with you one of my favorite stories in the Bible, maybe one that you've never heard before. It comes from 2 Samuel chapter 23, starting in verse 13, going through 17. Let me read it for you really quick, and then we're going to unpack it a little bit as we talk about our message this morning. So once during the harvest... When David was at the cave of Agilom, the Philistine army was camped in the valley of Rephaim. The three who were among the 30, now when it says the three and the 30, David, who was king at this time, had 30 mighty men around him, like mighty warriors who had been with him his entire life. If you don't know the story of King David, was once a shepherd boy, then the story of David and Goliath, that was David. This is the David we're talking about. He was chosen and anointed and appointed by God to be king of God's people. And the Bible says that he was a man after after God's own heart. He was a mighty king. He had his own mess-ups and screw-ups like we can talk about, but he had men who followed him as he was king. He trusted God and served God, and we find him in this interesting story in 2 Samuel. So let's keep going a little bit uh, further down. It says, the three who were among the 30, an elite group, I like that, an elite group among David's fighting men went down to meet him there. David was staying in the stronghold at the time, and a Philistine detachment, the Philistine were like the arch enemies of Israel at this time, a Philistine a detachment had occupied the town of Bethlehem. And David remarked longingly to his men, oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem, and brought it back to David, but he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. 
What an interesting statement. It says, the Lord forbid that I should drink this, he exclaimed. This water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. So David did not drink it. These are examples of the exploits of the three. Now, I love this story for numerous reasons. Now, you may read this and be like, yo, those guys just risked their life for David's water. And what's he do? He pours it out? What is wrong with him? Like, that's just adding insult to injury. They just worked really hard to get this, and then he pours it out. Well, let me give you the context of what's going on. And I believe we see in this story really the principles of what it means to be a good steward. Now listen, in the Bible, when we see a lot of the Old Testament symbolism, King David is a symbol for Jesus a lot of times, and especially the kingship and lordship of Jesus in our life. Let me just tell you, Jesus is not just your very best friend who loves you, he also is our mighty king and our lord, meaning he kind of has, actually not kind of, he definitely has some authority in our life. And we serve him and listen to him, as one would do a king. That's kind of how God has set this up. And he, Jesus is a good king. And David at times is a good model of a good king. Sometimes he messes it up. But here's a great instance. So let's just unpack this, all right? So David is encamped near the town of Bethlehem where he grew up. And at this time, the Philistine army was inhabiting, had invaded this town. And so because of, you know, being king is hard, sometimes you get thirsty. And sometimes you want some good water, right? Like when you're a kid, and I'm letting Shepard do this now, you can judge me, that's okay, man. When you're a kid, drinking from a hose, it's as good as the most pristine water, right? Like I remember those days, it was hot out, you just get the hose just like a little dog, right? It's okay, build the immune system while you're young, all right? That's what I believed when I was growing up, and that's what we're training our son Shepard to do. It's okay, that's all right, judgment's fine, all right? But for somewhere along the way, we get a little bit of a refined taste for our water, right? Like maybe you're a Fiji guy, right? Or you're like an Icelandic volcanic water guy or whatever you may be. You're a smart water guy. If you're like an Aquafina or Dasani person, we'll play, pray for deliverance for you because that's just weird, all right? Those waters ain't good, all right? But maybe you like, you like your purified water. You like your at room temperature. You like it cold, right? So David, he's a little stressed out. He's a little parched and he says, man, I really would love some of that good water from my hometown, and the, the mighty men around him, the three of these 30 mighty men that are there, don't just say, yeah, David, it'd be great if you had some of that. It is good water. But they take it upon themselves to go steward the wishes of their king. What's interesting about this story is David does not command these mighty men to do that. He doesn't say, hey, I want some of that water. Go get it, bro. Doesn't do that at all. He simply is sharing his heart with his trusted mighty men. And in their heart, their response is, how can we not surrender ourselves to the wishes of our king, even if it means our death? And they sneak into the Philistine camp and grab the water and bring it back to David. Now, let me just, this is really important lines in this, in this story really quick. And let me just read them really quick, because I think sometimes it can mess us up. It says this, David says, oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well. This is in verse 15. Oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. Verse 16, I think it's bolded on your note card. So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem, and brought it back to David. I love that David says, I would love some of that water from the well in Bethlehem. And the men go and get some water from the well in Bethlehem. How many times do we get so frustrated because we think we're doing things God wants, but we're actually just doing what's comfortable? We think we're stewarding what God has given us, but really we're just doing what's easy and that requires no sacrifice. 
Imagine if these guys had said, hey, we're gonna just going to go to the, the little trough over here. It never wouldn't have mattered of anything. David wished exactly a very specific thing, and those men went and carried out that very specific thing. Can I encourage you today, when it comes to the responsibilities and stewardship of our life that God has given us ownership of in his generosity, he's very specific about what our response should be. He actually doesn't really leave it up for guesswork. He actually doesn't really leave it up to interpretation. He's very specific about what needs to happen. And here's what I love about the end of this story. It says that the mighty men bring David this water, and what does David do? He doesn't drink it. He pours it out. Now, if you look at this story through the lens of just being a normal human, you're like, yo, that is a little bit offensive. Why would he do that? They just risked their life to go get him a cup of water. Well, you're, not, you're looking at it through the lens of a human, not through the lens of God. Not through, the, not through the lens of sacrifice. What David is doing is actually honoring these men more than they could possibly imagine. He pours out this water as what? A sacrifice unto the Lord. See, in the Old Testament, something that was a sacrifice was above purity that we couldn't even comprehend, was above honor, was above respect. Something that would be worthy of the Lord to bring it to him as a sacrifice was simply awe-inspiring, completely amazing to be even included in that. And so David is honoring the sacrificial stewardship of these men by pouring the water out as a sacrifice to the Lord. They, they gave their efforts, they gave their stewardship, these mighty men, to the blessing of the king. Now for some of us, here's where we get frustrated. We're breaking through the enemy lines. We're working really hard to bring back and steward well our life. But at the end of the day, we don't place it in the hands of the king. We continue to place it into the hands of men. We steward the things that we have well. We make sacrifices. We work hard. But at the end of the day, we put those things in the hands of men, not in the hands of God. And God is the only one that can bless them. Some of the things I'm going to talk about today may be, may be on the nose, may be intentional, but I'm trying to challenge you to let you know that if you continue working so hard and giving those things back into the hands of men, you'll never find the blessing that you're looking for. You'll never find the honor that only God can give. You'll never find the breakthrough and freedom that can only come from putting those things in the hands of King Jesus. You ever wonder like why some things are the way they are? You ever wonder like why does, why does that happen that way? I had this happen yesterday. So again, it's been a kind of a crazy week. And so my wife and I, uh, we, got, we had the, just the one kid, my one son, my shepherd was with my mom all weekend, which means we only had the baby, which those are nice moments. And he was taking a nap in the car and Adrian and I were like, I was like, what do you wanna do for lunch? He was like, you know what? I could just really go for some McDonald's today. I'm like, yo, say no more, let's go. All right, so there's a McDonald's right down the street from our house. We head on down there, get our value meals. And of course, both of us get a good fountain Coke from McDonald's. Have you ever wondered, because it's, it's very true that the fountain Coke at McDonald's just tastes differently. If you have not understood that, you are missing out on life, all right? Now, for the longest time, I wondered, why does it taste so different? Why is it just a step above the rest of fountain Cokes and all the other fast food joints that I frequent, okay? Again, judgment on me is okay. I can handle it, all right? Uh, maybe I'll make you feel better about yourself. Yeah, I went to McDonald's this morning on the way to church. Awesome. Let's go. Or invite me next time or bring me a little bit of a, you know, McMuffin or what they do. Uh, but anyway, I digress. Here's the thing. Actually, there is a reason why McDonald's found Coke tastes better. 
They have it written in their contract with Coke that all the other fast food restaurants get the syrup that you use for Coke delivered in a plastic bag. But McDonald's gets it delivered to all of their locations in steel, like steel cases, steel bottles. Keeps it fresh, it keeps it pure, and that's why. So sometimes we look at life, we're like, I wonder why? Well, there's actually a reason. Maybe you look at people in the church or people that follow God, and you're like, I wonder why they never seem stressed. I wonder why they never seem as anxious as I do. I wonder why they seem so joy-filled and like, like they always have hope. It's because they're doing things that separate them from the normalcy of life. They're packing their things, not in plastic bags, but in stainless steel cases. And so for today, I'm inviting you to realize that your stewardship can be either a plastic bag or it can be a stainless steel bottle. And there is a difference. There will be a difference in what comes out. See, later on in Psalm 24, we read it already, but here's what God says. He says, or what David says to God, only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies, they will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. See, for some of us, our relationship with God is messed up is because our hands, what we do, and our hearts, where our essence of life comes from, are not pure. We're still doing things. Maybe I've been in this situation in my life a lot, even in pastoring a church. We're doing things out of selfish gain and ambition rather than godly gain and ambition. Our hearts are not pure because of the past things that we're still allowing bitterness and unforgiveness to hold on to us or maybe even addictions and things like that. Our hearts are not pure. And again, we all worship something. Some of us were focused on worshiping idols and we are realizing that, wait, what is going on here? And God is trying to deal with those things. Remember, the distance between or the difference where you are which where God, with where God wants you to be is what you're willing to do. And I've realized in my life, when I'm not willing to do something or to trust God with something or surrender that area of my life or just begin to step into the things of God, I'm going to stay where I'm at. See, these mighty men, they could have just stayed there. Oh, sorry, David. Sorry you're thirsty, but it's a little dangerous. Can I just encourage you? As Christians, we're not supposed to live an uncomfortable and non-dangerous life. We are supposed to live a life of faith. And sometimes that's going to call us to step out and do some crazy things. We're going to have to live with big faith sometimes. And what I love about the end of that, those verses in 2 Samuel, it says, this was just one of the exploits of these mighty men. Isn't it interesting that these mighty men went to war with David? One of them killed like 300 dudes all by himself. That's awesome. Like, I'm a big, like, Braveheart gladiator guy, Lord of the Rings. Like, that's awesome, okay? I just got to tell you, that's cool. But the thing is, it says this is one of the exploits of these mighty men, just getting some water for their king. But the way that it was received by the king and poured out as a blessing was written down in history, and we can talk about it thousands of years later. See, some of us, we're looking for those big exploits, but God is like, would you just be faithful with what you have? Would you just be a good steward with the life that I've given you? Because let me just give you some freedom. When you stand before God someday, and all of us will, he's not going to look at you and say, hey, you know, you know so-and-so, they really lived their life better than you did. He's going to look at you and say, hey, I gave you your life, and you are called to steward your life. You are called to take ownership of your life. So today really is about challenging ourselves to be willing to do some things. So here's the first thing. First one is really just a release of control, and it's that believing God owns it all. God owns it all, everybody, all right? There is not anything in this life that God does not own. 
God created life. He spoke light to the darkness. He formed the earth. He separated the land from the waters. He put the stars in the sky and gave light to the sun. He did all these things. He owns it all, okay? So my number one prayer for those of us at Local City is to remove our posture from living our life like this to living it like this. Like, God, it all belongs to you, and you've given it to me, but the true ownership lies with you. See, I am not an owner, I'm a steward. If I think I'm an owner, I'm gonna talk all the time about what my rights are. What's my right to do what I want with my life and my time and my money? It's my right to do what I want with my emotions and my relationships. Guess what, it's not. They're your responsibility. And you can either be irresponsible or responsible with them because God owns it all. Can I tell you how freeing that is? To realize that God owns it all? Woo! You know what? You know why? Because if God own, owns it all, who's on the hook? God. I'm responsible for what I do, but God is ultimately on the hook. That's why through stressful times in my relationships or in my finances or in my just stressful times, I know that, man, God is the one, that God is where it falls on. So I'm going to trust him, and I'm going to believe he owns it all. I'm, I have responsibilities as a steward, Second thing is this, understand the responsibilities, great word, he has given us. Listen again, like I said, you know, no, no works or no amount of effort or work saved you. You could not earn Jesus' love. But I do need to be completely honest with you that yes, you did not get saved by works. Jesus did not come into your life because of any effort, but you weren't, maybe you weren't saved by works, but now you are saved for works. When, what's the last thing that Jesus says to his disciples? He says, hey, go and do something. Go and tell the world this good news. Go and make disciples. My fear is that we get saved, we give our life to Jesus, and listen, if you haven't done that, the invitation is gonna be there today to have that relationship with him. But it isn't just, doesn't just stop there. Then our life actually becomes the ultimate effect of stewardship by leading people to know him. So that when the king says, my people are hurting, I would love for someone to bring me the hurting so I can heal them. As the mighty men and women of God, we just don't go, well, hope somebody else does it because I'm a little busy right now. No, we say if our king is saying it, we're going to do it. The responsibility falls on us to continue to fight the good faith, to continue to do the good work. Come on, I need a little bit of buy-in today that that is what we've been called to do. Local city will never be a place where I stand up here and say, yeah, go ahead and live your life. No. I'm telling you to live the life God's given you. And listen, because I needed someone to pave the way and do a work for me so that I could come to know Jesus. There's too many lost and broken people in our city for us to live comfortably, for us to not understand the responsibilities. This morning, 90% chance of rain like all day, right? You know who understands the responsibilities? Our home team who gets here at 6.30 in the morning to set up church so that you can have an experience with God. Come on, why don't you give some honor to them really quick. And as we begin to close today, I love the power of testimony. So I saw this, uh, this testimony this week. I wanted to share it with you. Turn your attention to the screen, and then we'll begin to close after you see this. But back in the day, I used to be out, you know, 
at night. Y'all get right. Just doing stuff I shouldn't have been doing, okay? But I had a rule, and my parents were like, if you're going to live in this house, you're still going to come to church with us. So it didn't matter if I rolled in the house at 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning. If I stayed out all night, came in, showered real quick, and just went to church with them. I came in <laughs> super hungover, probably also sometimes smelling like weed. If I'm really being honest, you could probably smell the alcohol sweating out of my pores. There was an usher every single Sunday who would hug me, never said nothing about my smell, never said anything about how obvious it was that I was hungover. He was never like, hey, so did you have a good night last night? There was none of that stuff. There was no judgment. He just hugged me every single Sunday, and he said, I love you, brother. He would tell me he loved me every single Sunday. I'm like, how can you tell me you love me? You don't even know me at all. I bet you Randy didn't realize there would be a person on this stage talking to you about the value of the one, how God cares about the one, how we're called to reach the one. He didn't know that. He had a heart like God. And so every single Sunday, he made it his job to make sure that that one single person felt important. Aren't you thankful for the people who don't give up on you? So if people didn't give up on us and they care for us and they valued us. You know what discipleship is? It's just us turning around and doing that same thing for somebody else. It's seeing the one and caring about them and valuing them. That's huge for us today. And I want you to know that, that there's this idea that discipleship is about learning. Discipleship is not about learning. Discipleship is about doing. And what I love about this testimony is he says that this guy, this usher Randy just hugged me and said he loved me every Sunday. He made, listen to what he said, he made it his job to make it, make it for one person felt important. For some of us, if we would just make it our job to help one person connect with Jesus every week, our life would drastically change. Our perspective would drastically change because we're understanding the responsibilities that God has given us. Will it be hard? Yeah. Will it require sacrifice? For sure. Will it be worth it? You best believe that. There's no other way to live. Because testimonies like that are on the other side of that. And we keep showing up and making that happen. And you're invited to do the same. The third thing is, is understanding that we are accountable to these things. Number three is that we are, and we have to, remain accountable for how we steward what he provides. Just to let you know, not to put pressure on you, not trying to bring any judgment in your life, but you are going to have to give an account of the way you lived your life and how you stewarded what God gave you. There's a parable of the talents. It's a famous parable where, where uh, Jesus talks about this story where a rich ruler gives out 10 talents and five talents and one talent. The guy who's given 10 goes out and doubles those 10. The guy who gets five goes out and doubles those five. The guy who gets one goes out and buries it and doesn't do anything with it. And who is the only person that receives judgment from the ruler? It's the guy who went and buried his talent and didn't do anything with it. And God never judges about the amount. He didn't say, well, now the guy that doubled 10, obviously he has 20, so he's better than the guy who, no, no, it's not that about at all. It's about what did you do with God, what did you do with your portion that God gave you? You will be held accountable to that. I will be held accountable to how Adrian and I led local city church. I will be accountable to how I led my marriage. I will be accountable with how I raise my kids. I will be accountable with how I led my life. And that honestly should put a little bit of a holy fear inside of all of us. Because I don't want to get to my deathbed and realize I wasted it. Today's a great day to start. Your life will change depending on what you do daily. 
And the last thing is we have to remember the good news of all this is that remember our reward and treasure is found in having an eternal perspective. We can bring up uh, the band today as we begin to close. Remember our reward and treasure. Listen, God wants to reward you. Listen, I want you to know that God rewards investment in what he's doing. God rewards sacrifice. What does it say in the book of Hebrews? Jesus, it talks about Jesus and it says, because of the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised his shame and paid the price that we could not pay. What was the reward that Jesus was getting? The fact that from now on, people could call on the name of Jesus and step right into the family of God, forgiven and set free, knowing that for eternity, we would be lifting up his name and lifting up God our Heavenly Father together as a family of people who belong to God. You've got to realize that there is a reward on the other side of your stewardship and faithfulness. There is a treasure with an eternal perspective perspective. There's nothing wrong with working hard here in this life, but if that's become the goal, all of our successes and rewards are going to die when we do. But if you want to live a life of legacy that outlives you, you have to begin to realize that there is a reward of an eternal perspective that matters more than anything. And let me, here are the challenges, all right? Give me two more minutes and we're going to close right here. Here are the challenges. You know, when I was a youth pastor, this was the, one of the verses that I kind of built our youth group on. And it's one from the Apostle Paul teaching in the, in the book of Acts 17, 20, 28. It says this, for in him we live and move and have our being. In Jesus, it's the only reason we have anything is because of Jesus. But I don't, so I don't want you to just live in Jesus. I want you to move and have your being. And I believe there's three ways that you can do that today. These are very practical for you, all right? So here are three things we should steward well. Number one is we should steward well our movement. Think about this today, maybe even write it down. At all times in my life, I'm either moving away from God, I'm not moving at all, or I'm moving towards God. That's it. If you're moving sideways, you're, you might as well not be moving. I'm either moving away from God, I'm either moving not at all or I'm moving toward God. And here's the thing I want to invite you to understand is that even one step towards God is a good step. Even a baby step in the right direction is a good step. So today, where are you not moving towards God? Is it in your search for a spouse? Are you running around doing your own thing or are you just planting yourself in God's house realizing, hey, God will bring that to me? Are we running around in our job, right? Is our, is our business or our job moving us away from God because we're so worried about that next promotion or that next client or that next thing we have to do rather than just surrendering and saying, Jesus, Jesus all, you're my king, so I'm just gonna trust you and keep doing what you ask. I'm gonna move towards you. Maybe it's in our personal life. Are we moving towards God when it comes to being forgiven and set free from anxiety and addiction and things like that? Listen, the world wants to make you a victim the rest of your life. Jesus wants to make you a, a victor the rest of your life, to live in victory. I wanna to move towards that. I wanna to move towards that. The second thing is, this is, it's February, we should steward well our capacity to love. Listen, you and I, we all have a capacity to love. And sometimes the reason we feel emotionally empty is because we're pouring out the, that capacity to people who can't handle it. For some of us, we need to realize, okay, hold on. Rather than seeking all these things, I'm just going to seek God. And whatever relationship he brings along is gonna be good for me. 
But if I'm seeking God and equally seeking another relationship, it's not gonna work even in my marriage. Here's the thing for, for those of us who are single today. Seek God while you prepare for your two. You seek God as your one while you prepare for your two. If you're married today, seek God with your two. And that will solve a ton of your problems. Simple marriage tool for you, pray with your spouse every day. If you miss a day, don't miss two. That's a bunch of free thousands of dollars of counseling right there. Because if you're praying for someone, you're not angry with them. If you're praying for someone, you're not bitter towards them. If you're praying for someone, you forgive them in that moment. Because God makes it impossible for you to pray for them in that moment unless you let it go. And the third one, this is the one I told you I was going to be intentional today, is our financial life. The enemy knows that the thing that will get you to grip your life like this will be your money. And God knows that it can lead to some dangerous places in your life. So he has invited us. We do this a couple times a year. He has invited us to step in. It's actually the verse that Livia read, to commit to the principle of the tithe. And listen, as I talk about this, if you're like, Ugh, or Ugh, that means God's trying to speak to you about it. Because honestly, if you're fine with it, you're like, oh yeah, of course. But I feel if you have resistance or if you have some, Ugh, that means God's just trying to speak to you about it. And I would say that about anything. But I would encourage you to start today. Remember, life is what we do daily to take what we call the 90-day tithe challenge. And I want to invite you to do three things today. Pray about it, decide and start, and then make it automatic. And again, you can read more about it on our website. There's, if you tap your phone to that disc in front of you, you'll see a whole write-up on it. But here's the thing. The tithe is giving God the first. And if we give God the first, the rest is blessed. And I know that God can do way more with 90% than me trying to do with 100%. And the tithe is a practical principle that forces me to start to live my life like this. And I'm telling you, it is freeing. Because guess what? We're gonna go through financial hardships. We're gonna go through difficult financial situations. You know what I'm thankful for? That when I've gone through those, I've realized, wait a minute, God is involved in this because I've never stopped tithing. I've never stopped trusting him with the first. I teach about this because if I don't teach you this, but I teach you how to pray and read your Bible, I'm not a good pastor if I don't teach you this. Because Jesus talked about money more than anything else because he knew it was the earthly thing that would take captive your heart. The love of money is the root of all evil, not money. It's the love of it. And so God is saying, would you just release it to me? And here's the thing about the 90-day tithe challenge. You sign up and do it. 90 days, you tithe, you set it up, you make it automatic. And then if you don't feel any more blessing of God, not just financially, but in your spirit, we give you everything back. It is essentially a win-win. But I know that when God says, hey, let me see what I can do, you'll see. And you'll be like, ooh, this cheesecake is good. I'm glad I trusted God in these moments. But there, hey, no pressure. Turn to the person next to you saying, no pressure. I just want, so when you leave today, man, they were pressuring us to give. No, I'm not, all right? Because the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver who decided in his heart what he would do. I'm asking you to do one thing today as we close. Pray first, decide and start if God says to do it, and then make it automatic. Colossians 3.23 says this as we close, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. 
the greatest freedom I can give you is to invite you to stop serving the master of self, the master of emotions, the master of pride, the master of the world, and start serving your master Christ so that when he says, hey, I would love for this, you'd be like one of those mighty men saying, oh, it's time, let's go, let's get that water. And then you receive the blessing of, you place it in the hand of the king and he pours out that honor of your sacrifice. Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.